You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Amen. Thank you so much. And uh, let's take our Bibles, the Gospel of Luke chapter 15, please. Gospel of Luke chapter number 15. Thank you so much for being in church tonight, and I just want to say I feel special, uh, privileged to be preaching to you tonight, and I think that uh, I'm going in outer space, but uh, do be in prayer for our pastor as he's away, preaching at youth conference, and uh, what an incredible opportunity that is, and he's not just preaching there uh, because he went to college there and he works there, he's going there because he's a man of God. And a great preacher. We have a wonderful privilege to have him as our pastor. And I'm glad that we get to share him uh, this week there at the, the youth conference. And I do, as, uh, as Brother Dan has mentioned already, if you're technical savvy and you're able to get on a computer or a phone and go back and watch those messages, our pastor preached yesterday morning. He preached this morning. He's preaching uh, after the service tonight. He's preaching the service tonight. And then also, there's another preacher that's there. His name's Eli Reynolds, and he is from Geneseo, Illinois. Yeah, he pastors in, uh, in California, and I think Brother Jones, Gethsemane Baptist Church, if I'm yeah, saying that right. And, uh, but he actually, funny story about that, is he rented the house that I grew up in when I was, my parents bought that house in Illinois before they moved to Germany. Their family rented that house. Small world, uh, but he is an incredible preacher. He was a youth pastor, I believe, for 17 years. I think that's what he said. Uh, now he's been a pastor, I believe, now for almost six years there in uh, California. But Go back and watch that if you can, and if you have no idea how to do that, uh, just tell Pastor when he gets back that you did and it was good, uh, and tell him and uh, tell him you missed him and all of that. And uh, but also, Brother Nathan, he is actually in Maryland, uh, not Virginia, uh, but as the Bible says, "Whatsoever state I am, I've learned to be content." Uh, so he is preaching in Maryland for a good friend that we went to college with, and then uh, the lady there, the youth pastor's wife, uh, Grace, grew up. With her, she actually was just here a couple weeks ago singing that group and, uh, there in Maryland, and they're having a teen camp week, and I'm also grateful that our youth pastor has that opportunity, and he's not just preaching there because he's friends, he's preaching there because he's a man of God, and he loves young people, loves the young people of this church, and we are blessed uh, to have uh, Pastor and Brother Nathan, and then you got Dan and myself as well. So um, anyways, all that to say, thankful for the opportunity and privilege to preach tonight. And I really struggled tonight on what to preach. And uh, I wasn't trying to be funny with Brother Dan, but he was asking me what I was preaching. I said, I have no idea. Um, and I, it's, I feel like I just battle with it so much. But I really battled with this one, and not because I didn't know what to preach. I battled with it because it's been on my heart for a year and a half because I haven't really been working on the message, but the message has been working on my heart. I still have a long ways to go, uh, but I feel like this is the time to preach it. And uh, by all means, I am not uh, an expert uh, when it comes to this subject, uh, but I know that this is what God has for us tonight. And I feel like uh, just uh, being in prayer for it, I, I, I kid you not, and I'm not just saying this for a shock and awe, I've never been so nervous for a message. Uh, I've never sweat so much and just prep, uh, and I'm not talking uh, literally, I was physically sweating just coming up uh, with these thoughts and, and burying myself into this passage of Scripture. And as you see, Luke 15 is a very familiar passage of Scripture. You're saying, Brother Caleb, why are you so nervous? Because I'm looking at something that I don't think I've ever really looked at before. And uh, we're going to read uh, pretty much all of these verses throughout the message. And so if you can follow along silently there. Uh, just because I know uh, when I get to the big words and I'm silent, you can help me with those uh, when, you know, when I'm struggling with that. But Luke 15, 
verse number one, it says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And uh, Brother Tommy, before I go any further, I'm still ringing just a little bit, and it's not my cell phone, but uh, thank you. I'm so appreciative of our sound guys. I'll tell you what, uh, I'm looking at the, the Roberts over here, but you don't, you don't uh, notice them until something goes wrong, and uh, you don't appreciate them. And that's, that's a lot of places in the church. You don't appreciate the nursery workers until there's no nursery workers, and the kids are in the... I appreciate them all the time, okay? I, only, I just come to church because I don't have to wash my kids for an hour, Okay. Uh, no, I'm just messing, but uh, even just the security, and you think about just all that goes into a service, and we don't notice anything. I think about the janitors, those that clean. We don't notice it when it's clean, we notice it's when it's dirty, right? But I uh, hope you're appreciative of all of our volunteers, and I know that I am, and all our staff is. And uh, anyways, thank you, Brother Tommy, to give you a little cameo appearance there. Uh, thank you for your, your work up there. And if it rings again, we're going to yell at you the next time. Um, but then the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Uh, I heard this story recently about that verse that there was this young girl and she was in London and she was, it was a very cold and rainy night and she was looking for some shelter the night. And there was a preacher that was preaching out of that text, but she found her way into that church service just to get out of the cold. And uh, at the end of the service, she went up to the preacher and said, I never knew that my name was in the Bible. And uh, the preacher smiled at her and said, little girl, what is your name? And she said, my name is Edith. He uh, said to her, I don't think your name is in the Word of God. He said, she said, yes, it is. You said it several times, Jesus, Jesus receiveth sinners and Edith with them. And uh, praise the Lord, Jesus receives Edith and Caleb and all the other sinners as well. Thank God he does receive sinners. Verse number three, and he spake this parable unto them, saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the that which is lost until he find it. And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors unto them, uh, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over the ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Verse 8, Either what a uh, woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of, of God over one sinner that repenteth. Uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in that passage of Scripture, but I will make reference to that. I think we're familiar with those parables there. And uh, let's, let's continue on in verse number 11. It says, And he said... A certain man had two sons. If you mark your Bible, if you're accustomed to underlining or circling, can you circle or underline those two words there in that verse 11? Two sons. Two sons. Verse 12, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And, when, uh, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Underline that phrase there, no man gave unto him. Verse 17, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough uh, and, and despair, and I perish with hunger. 
I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Let's pause right there. We'll read the rest of those verses in just a little bit. Let's pray and ask God's blessing upon the remainder of the service. Heavenly Father, God, I ask you, at this time, please, Lord, just give me the words to say. Call my nerves, Lord. Give me a focus. Lord, give me an unction and a power tonight that only you can give. God, I pray that maybe someone here tonight would hear something that would be a, an encouragement. God, I pray that there would be, be a blessing. But God, I pray it would be a challenge. Lord, I pray you would speak to each heart direct, uh, uh, directly, Lord. And Lord, help this, um, this message to speak to those that you've shown me tonight. Lord, we ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. <clears throat> now, we know this story, and... Uh, we have really, if you, if you have a Bible like mine at the top of the Bible there, it says, uh, is the, the reference there, the parable of the prodigal son. And that's, the, uh, that's really the famous, uh, the way that we've entitled it. But I had you underline those two words in verse number 11 where it said two sons. Jesus didn't say anything about a prodigal son. Actually, you won't even hear the word prodigal as he's talking. But I want to focus on two sons tonight. I guess if you had to title the message tonight, it would just be two sons. Two sons. And I want to ask you, which son are you? Now, we, a lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll use this message to get people to, to think about where they're at. Maybe they're, they're away from the Lord, they're out of church. Uh, I'm not, this isn't a story for those to uh, get saved, although salvation is in this story. But the main uh, purpose of that part of the verse that we, uh, verses that we just read was those that are wayward, uh, to realize that the Father is waiting for them. If I can just put a little bit of a background to this story is, Really, we have a home tonight that has a father and two sons, and no doubt the father uh, was probably, uh, felt like it was a, a, a good home. Uh, I'm, I'm sure maybe he knew that there was, they weren't perfect, but to him, uh, it seemed like everything was going well. And then all of a sudden, we see here that the younger son, we'll refer to him as the younger son or the younger brother, comes to his dad and asks for his inheritance. Now, back in those days, I think we understand, but the, the, the son, the firstborn, was to get a double portion of the, of the father's inheritance. But when there was another heir, uh, the second son, the first son would get two-thirds of the inheritance, while the next son would get a third. And so here we see this younger brother, the younger son here is coming, and he's asking for uh, his inheritance. So basically, he is saying this to his, his father, you are better dead to me than you are alive, because you don't get that inheritance until the father is gone. He's literally saying, you know, this relationship that we've been having, uh, I've just been bearing through this relationship to get uh, what I can get out of it, and now I really am not having, I really don't even enjoy the relationship. I just want what you can give me. Now, the, the father really could have uh, rightfully slowed, so he could have just, uh, he could have just said no. Uh, he could have disowned his son, and he could have cast him away and sent him away from the family, but the father doesn't do that. He reacts in love and in mercy, and he gives the inheritance to his son, no doubt hoping that he'd wise up uh, before he would leave. Uh, but we know that he leaves to go to the far country because he thinks that the grass is greener on the other side. I heard a preacher once say it like this, the grass may seem greener on the other side, but really it's the septic tank that's leaking, and that's why the grass is green. 
go ahead and step in it, you'll find out it's not green. Uh, it's something that you don't want to step in. But the grass always seems greener on the other side, right? That's what the devil tries to tempt us with. Uh, but it's not like that. In fact, you, you, what's, uh, I find it very ironic that later in the story, as he runs out of money, the famine sets in. So now literally the grass is uh, dried up and he's, he's in want. And uh, no longer does this seem like something that he wanted to be in. And uh, if I could really paint the picture tonight that he was in his father's home. He had the, the roof over his head. He had the food on his table. He had the joy and the relationship with his father. He had the love of his father. But he decided, I just want the blessings. I just want the good stuff. And I don't want the relationship. Now, I've been there. I've done that. I've been guilty of that more than I'd like to admit. Uh, but this here, we see that this younger son finally has a come-to-Jesus moment, if you will. And he said when he came to himself... Literally there uh, in verse number, uh, uh, what do we see here? Verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? I will perish, and I, and I perish with hunger. He said, May my servants, even, uh, my dad's servants have it better off than I do. Uh, and we see that he went and got a job. He became a citizen of the country. And I believe that even though it's not there, if we can read between the lines, I believe he went to go find his so-called friends and said, hey, remember when I gave you that money? Hey, remember when I paid for dinner and drinks and the girls, and now I'm out of money? Can you help me out? And they say, hey, times are tough. Get in line. There's the door. I can't help you out. No longer did he have friends. They weren't there to help him. So he decides, okay, well, I'm going to take matters in my own hand again, and I'm going to try to become a citizen of this country, and I'm going to try to get a job. And here we find him, as we know, the Mosaic law for the Jews was to not have anything to do with the swine, uh, let alone uh, be with the swine, take care of the swine, but eat with the swine and sleep with the swine. This was really the lowest of lows for this Jewish boy. You can almost hear the groans. You can almost hear the, the people that are listening to Jesus tell the story. You can almost hear them just being disgusted and realizing, and this son has hit rock bottom. He is at the lowest of lows. So when he had his come to Jesus moment, he says, I'm going I'm to come up with this I'm going to recite this to my father. And he said, I'm going to tell him that I've sinned against my father. I've sinned against heaven. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And uh, his next plan was literally to come back and not just be a servant, but he wanted to earn. He wanted to be an apprentice. He wanted to earn some money so he could pay back his debt to his father. He said, that sounds like a good plan. I'm going to tell him that I'm coming back and I'm going to owe him everything that I took away uh, uh, that was rightfully mine, but I took it at the wrong time. And we see here the wonderful picture of the, uh, that, that father meeting him. And uh, here we got the, um, the well, let's, let's go to verse 21. The son saith un, unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, right? So he had his line all ready to go. And in thy sight, I'm known worthy to be called thy son. And just as about as he was about to say, make me as one of thy hired servants. The father does not even care what else he's going to say. He says, you're home. I'm gonna, I'm, let's, let's rejoice. I'm not, he didn't even ask him all that he did with the money. He was just glad that he was home. So 1 John 1, 9, it says that, uh, he, uh, that he's cleansed us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This robe was a clean clothing. He went and got the best robe. So give me my best robe. And really, the best robe probably in that house, no doubt, was the father's robe. He said, go get my best robe. And no doubt, I'm sure this young, younger son and the younger brother, he probably stank. Uh, probably smelled like pigs. He probably didn't have, uh, he probably maybe didn't even have shoes. Maybe he sold his shoes uh, to get some money for a meal. I don't know all that, but I know that the father covered him in his robe, covered him in his righteousness. What a wonderful picture there of the love and mercy of our father. But I also see in verse 25 that we're going to begin reading here, I see that there is a, Another son. There's another son here. 
Verse 25 says this, Now his elder son was in the field, and he came and drew nigh to the house, and he heard music and dancing. and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come. Underline thy brother, if you're underlining your Bible. Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. Now, here is the first mention of the other son. Now, we know he had two sons, but this is the first time this son has the opportunity uh, in this account to react in the right way. Now, I think if all of us were honest, if we were in his position, how he reacts is probably how all of us would react. Uh, but he had the opportunity to rejoice with his father and to accept that brother. But look at this. In uh, verse number 20, it says, and he was angry. It would not go in. Uh, in other sense, uh, he was throwing a temper tantrum, okay? He had the poochy lip. He was sitting on the ground. His arms were folded. He would not go in. Therefore, Praise the Lord, came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, just think about the tone in his voice as he says this, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, and that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son, underline that, thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. So we see here that the uh, the servant, or the, that, the, the other son, the, the older son, asked the servant what's going on, and the servant says, hey, your brother, your brother is back. And uh, you'd think that'd be the time to be excited. He was not. Uh, he was focusing on himself. And when he goes to talk to his father, he doesn't even say, my brother, he says, thy son. Which, by the way, nobody asked what he did with his money, but the elder son came up with his own conclusion and said, he wasted it with prostitutes. He wasted it with horrible living, and you're, you're, and you're receiving him back into the family? Right there, I could say, I would probably maybe have that reaction. And, and now he's saying, hey, you, you killed the fatted calf, and you didn't even kill a goat for me. I couldn't even have friends over because I was here all the time. He says, these many years, I served you. I've never transgressed uh, at, at that commandment. What that meant was he probably was a rule follower. He was following the rules the best that he could. Uh, he was not perfect, we understand that. But he says, man, I've done my best to follow the rule, rules of my father, but here's where both of these sons are exactly alike. You have the one son, right? Outwardly, we understand he is uh, he's wayward, he's living wickedly. The other son, uh, outwardly, looks like everything's good, good to go. He's, he's faithful, he's in his spot, he's, he's, he's working for his father, but both of their hearts were exactly the same. The only, they only served, they only really were in that relationship with their father to see what they could get out of that relationship. They weren't serving their father out of love. They were serving him really out of duty. He said, I mean, I've been following the rules, and you didn't throw me a party ever. But look on, look on what the, the father says in verse 31. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this. Thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost, now is found. We can interpret that neither son loved the father for, them, uh, for himself. They didn't love their father just because of who he is. They were both using the father for their own self-centered agenda rather than loving and enjoying and serving him out of love. I myself can find myself as this other brother, the elder brother where, Lord, I'm serving you. I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm reading my Bible, but I don't feel like I'm getting blessings like these people over here. Why, why aren't you blessing me? Well, uh, I think about what we really do deserve. Uh, look at it through that perspective. But both sons are using the father in a different way to get things. 
And we could see that their hearts are what their hearts are focused on. It was wealth. It was not the love of the Father uh, that they believed would make them happy and fulfilled. It was what they could get out of the relationship. At the end of this parable, the older brother had the opportunity to please the Father by going into the feast and rejoicing, but his attitude of resentfulness reveals that the Father's happiness was never his goal. And that really is the ultimate goal. I just want to please my Father, but how many times do I get distracted on just being busy in the work of the Lord and what I can get out of it, and if it's not convenient for me, I don't really want to help. I believe sometimes we as Christians, without even noticing, we're acting like that older brother. We're seeking to control God through our, our obedience in just a way to make him give things to us that we want. Now, I don't think any of us would actually say that's what I'm doing, but we can be guilty of that, that I'm obeying God because I want the blessings. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want the blessings upon my family, I didn't want the blessings of God, but I just want to serve him because I love him. And so many times, it's amazing uh, when I can get frustrated in, in something that I know I'm supposed to be doing and something doesn't go the way I ought to think that it should go. As Miss Jodina even saying tonight, I didn't plan for it that way. But God is always good. Amen. The elder brother is a bit unclear uh, when, he, when he realizes that he is lost. But I love that the, 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 it's the, the story of two sons. Let's not lose focus on that second son. Both sons are lost, okay? Uh, they're, they're both their hearts are not, are not following after the father for the right reasons. I'll say it this way. The older brother is obeying to get things. If I can illustrate it this way, you pray for my daughter. I'm constantly using her for an illustration, but she's just so good at being illustrations. Uh, she's going to continue to be it. But uh, it's amazing. We're, we're trying to, the key word trying, uh, to teach our kids to pick up after themselves. Okay, you get something out, pick it up. I don't care if you get it out the crayons. I don't care if you get out the markers uh, at the table. Okay, not on the couch. Uh, and I don't care if you do that, but then when you're done, put it away. And uh, if they don't, many of you know this, it's just, what's the next thing? We play with it for 30 seconds and we get out all the toys and we expect mom and dad to pick them up. And in our house, uh, my wife doesn't even give me a chance to pick them up. She's picking them up before I even get there. Um, as soon as they're done with the toy, the toy's getting picked right back up. But anyways, uh, it's amazing when I go to Reagan and I say, Reagan, listen, you need to hurry up and pick up your toys because we're going to the park. Her attitude is like this. Yes, sir, dad, I'm going to pick this up right away. Yes, sir, I love you, dad. You are the best, dad. Yes, I'm going to pick that up right now. And there's like 50 toys. She had no problem picking them all up. And by the way, the other 49 toys were thrown out by Ryan and Ryder, but all of a sudden she doesn't care that she's picking up after them. Now, fast forward a couple hours later when there's only three toys on the ground, and I say, Reagan, you need to pick up your toys. We're going to bed. Oh, Dad, I'm so tired. My arms hurt so bad. My legs hurt so... You think I'm making this up. I promise you, this is what's taking place. And, uh, and she gets it from her dad. But anyways, I'm so tired that I can't pick this up. Reagan, you had no problem picking up the massive mess when you knew you were getting something good out of it. We were going to go do something fun. And by the way, bribery is the best form of parenting. Can I get an amen? Uh, but all of a sudden, now that there's only three toys and you're, not, you're going to go to bed and the fun's over, now you don't want to pick it up. And uh, the consequences are normally what, my, what I always got before I went to bed. Anybody else like that? I don't know. But uh, I, just, I just got spankings every night. That's just how it worked. Uh, I, if, I, if I went to bed and I didn't get spankings, I thought my dad didn't love me or something. I don't know. But, but it's amazing how many times in my own life, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit will prick my heart and say, give a track to that person. Well, there's a long line here at the grocery store. I really don't want to slow this person up, or I really don't. It's not just it's not good timing right now, Lord. And 
but all of a sudden when I'm with other church members, I can give a track out because they, they see me doing it. And Lord says, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. And uh, I don't know, maybe that, that silly illustration can be us where it's a very small task the Holy Spirit asks us to do, but we have so many excuses. We had no problem doing the massive task for the recognition and for the reward, but we had an, we had an, uh, an issue with not doing it because it just wasn't convenient for us. And I think about many people that are sitting in here tonight, if it was not convenient uh, for someone to, or if, if it was out of their convenience, out of their comfort zone to share the gospel with you, I wonder where you would be tonight. Many of us would be lost on our way to hell tonight. But both are lost. We can clearly see the younger brother is lost. He figures it out when he's in the pig pen. That's an obvious one. He's run out of friends. He's run out of money. He's run out of resources because of his foolish behavior. We can see that his life has completely collapsed at this point, and he realizes that he has lost his way. Starts to come up with a plan on how to get back to the father's house. And I'm so glad that he thought about that. He probably had no idea how he was going to be accepted. I'm sure if we were to ask that prodigal son... Uh, what he thought about going back home, he would have thought, I, I, blessed beyond my wildest dreams. I never thought that this would take place. The elder brother is a little bit different, a little bit unclear from the outside when he realized what was going on on the inside. All of his words are really, they're dripping with res resentment as he talks to his father. The first sign uh, you have is the older brother's spirits is when it doesn't go the way that he thought it should go. I wonder how many of us are, are uh, we're not sorry just because um, we're deeply angry and bitter uh, towards something that we think that we should have got it this way. Or uh, I'll tell you what, I, I know that um, this might sound a little bit funny, but I remember, uh, especially when we first got married, looking around at, uh, I'm just going to be honest, okay, uh, but just, uh, I thought it was hilarious when I was at the pulpit and they said, with all my earthly goods at the endow, I was like, man, I got nothing. Uh, I, got, uh, I got a car and I got a house, which was, I was blessed to have that, but it was like, well, all my earthly goods. Uh, but I remember looking at other people that were further down in their marriage and seeing them get a new car or a better house and all that. And it was a funny, just a little voice. I don't know if anybody else is like me. It's like, oh, must be nice. Actually, I've heard some people say that. Must be nice to be able to get that car. Must be nice to be able to drive that truck. You know what? All of a sudden, I, was, I found myself, I was thinking that. I was like, Lord, help me. It's, it's more like, good for them. I'm glad the Lord's blessed them with that. And when you start to have that attitude, you're going to love people uh, for their success. We shouldn't wish... Uh, we shouldn't wish uh, ill upon anybody, but my, myself sometimes can look, and, and, and that's, the, uh, that's the enemy of contentment, is, uh, is looking at that and, and being selfish and thinking, man, I deserve something. Man, there's been some times in my life that something takes place that I wouldn't have chose for it to be that way. I remember uh, someone saying one time to me, he said, uh, I don't understand why so-and-so who was doing right at least from our eyes, right? Doing right, serving God, the Lord took them. And then these people over here that I want nothing to do with God, it seems like they're just living the good life. I thought about that, and I, I think maybe the answer could be several things, but I believe it's just the mercy of God. The Lord's just waiting for those people to come back home uh, and come to their senses and have a come-to-Jesus moment, if you will. But that older son there, he says, I, he was focusing on all those commandments that he was following, right? He said, I tried my best to follow all those rules. And uh, I th I'll say this, I'm thankful that I had rules growing up. I wasn't thankful during the rules. I'm thankful now, okay? Uh, I, I know I've said it, and I'm probably going to sound like a broken record, but uh, for good reason. Uh, my pastor, he preached uh, no high school dating, and uh, I liked the pastor's daughters, but everybody else was dating. 
but I couldn't date the pastor's daughter because he preached that. And then when we got to college, I thought we were going to be able to date. And he said, still, no, nope, you can't date. Uh, it wasn't until she went back home and I stayed at college. He said, okay, now you guys can date uh, and uh, for good reason. But I remember it was funny. And uh, maybe some of you said, man, this is just crazy. And uh, I remember it was 10 text messages a day that we were allowed to text. He didn't want us to get in a texting relationship because he says, you'll say things in text messages you might never say face-to-face. And he said, that's just not healthy for your relationship. Now, of course, that made me mad. I was like, man, I want to text her all day long. I want to text her while I'm in class, uh, do all that. But so it was, it was amazing. Those 10 text messages, man, I'd work on like one text message all day long. And it would be like, it would be so many paragraphs. And, uh, and it was like, man, I got I to gotta, I gotta save this as, and I had one of those old phones, I got to save this as a draft and, and go back and see what was the other question that she asked, question number eight or nine or on the list. But it was 10 text, 10 text messages a day and 60 minutes on the phone. And um, while I was back in the summertime, I, I thought my dad was going to be here tonight, you pray for him, he's traveling this way right now, I think. But uh, he would come by uh, because my dad was the stopwatch for the 60 minutes and when we start getting close, he'd start singing, he's still on the phone, so what can be wrong? And uh, thanks, Dad. I uh, appreciate it. But it was amazing. If I went one minute over, I was getting a call from my pastor, my, my, uh, my wife now, her dad, saying, you guys went over a minute. I'm going to have to take some of that away. He said, that is crazy. You know what? It was. But I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful that my, my, my uh, future father-in-law at the time was, was looking out for me, even though I thought he was trying to make my life miserable. And uh, he had several other daughters, and he said I had to wait seven years. I was scared I was going to get a different daughter, uh, but I made sure it was Jennifer uh, before I got married. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, but this, this, this older son here was so focused on following those rules, he forgot about the relationship with his father. And I didn't always have the right attitude, but I'm thankful I had a dad and a future father-in-law that loved me enough to give me rules. And teenagers, you might think your parents uh, hate you for all these rules. You might think they hate you for not having any rules. I don't know where it is, but I will say this. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for it now. I'm very thankful for it now. And I uh, wasn't thankful for it then, but thankful for it now. Uh, but this, this uh, older son here, he's now putting himself in a terrible position of following those rules that because now he doesn't get what he wants from the father, now he hates the father because he didn't think that's what he deserved. So I followed your rules, and you didn't give me what I thought, so now he resents his father. On the opposite side of the spectrum, many of us can, might be uh, holding us uh, to make, maybe this could be you, this is me sometimes, where you know you broke a rule, or you know you fell short, and all of a sudden you start to hate yourself because you know that you're missing out on blessings or missing out on some things that could happen in your life because of your own foolishness, and the devil's right there to just remind you, he says, you can't serve God, look what you did. God can't use you. And now you're on an emotional roller coaster with maybe hating God or hating yourself when you look at it from that end of the spectrum. But we should be serving God because of the sincerity of our love for God and what he has done for us. The younger son, uh, he said, Father, give me the portion that fo- uh, of goods that falleth to me. Okay, He was very disrespectful. Uh, he's saying that he wants his father's things, but not his father. And we not, might not outright say that, but sometimes we act that way. Um, it's amazing, again, if I could pick on my daughter, that when she's in trouble... Uh, I have to say to her several times, look in my eyes, because I want to know if you're looking at me. And she usually responds with, Dad, I don't like your blue eyes. Uh, yeah, but she says, I don't want to look. She's embarrassed. She's embarrassed that she's in trouble, and she's embarrassed. You know, that's, that's sometimes me when the Heavenly Father says, come here, I want to talk to you. Lord, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm no worthy to be called your son. But the Father says, no, I want, I want, 
I want that relationship with you. The relationship for the younger son was for him was about getting things. And now that he's tired of just that, that relationship, he wants out. It's very heartbreaking. He says, give to me what is mine. That was not an easy thing for the father to do. He's essentially tearing his life apart to give his son what he wants. It wasn't like he can go to the ATM and hand him a bunch of cash, okay? He really had to sell off some of his livestock, sell off some of his goods. That took some time. And uh, people saying, why are you selling this off? Well, my son, uh, my son wants nothing to do with me anymore, and he wants this inheritance. So I'm, I'm giving this to him. Uh, very embarrassing thing for him to do. Uh, very heartbreaking for him to do. And as he's selling those things off, I think he's probably in the back of his mind. I hope, I hope he comes to his senses. I hope he doesn't do this. The elder brother there, the, 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 number, uh, the number, brother number one, if you will, he was angry and he was bitter. And the words that come to his mouth says, these many years I served thee. He's adding things up. How many times in my life I said, Lord, why, are you, why does it seem like trial after trial? I've served you all these years. Lord, uh, I, and for you guys, I, I think about this a lot, the many of you that work long hours and then you come to Sunday and you volunteer in a position and it's like you don't get a day off. Uh, you, say, Man, you can get weary, uh, but let's not be weary in well-doing, right? Because we'll reap if we faint not. But here's the conclusion that there is one striking difference between the third parable and the first two that we briefly read at the beginning of the message, right? In the first two parables, someone went out and they searched diligently for that which was lost. The shepherd went out and looked for the lost sheep. And I don't know about you, uh, but if I was the shepherd and I only lost one and I kept 99, I would have been pretty proud of myself and said, hey, 99, that's pretty good. Uh, in school, if it was a 70 out of 100, I was like, that's pretty good. Um, uh, and you say, Caleb, we knew that you got low grades just by listening to you talk. That's okay. Uh, but I, that's a pretty good percentage. But he goes out to find the one, the shepherd, picture Jesus Christ going out to find the one because there's much uh, re, uh, rejoicing in the one that repenteth other, uh, over than the 99. Then we got the, that second parable that we read there is the, the woman with the lost coin. And uh, no doubt it was a very sentimental coin to her. Uh, I, I've heard uh, some preachers say that it, it was really like a, a, these, all these silver coins, and one of those, it would be, be equivalent to a lady losing a diamond in her wedding ring. It was very valuable to her, and she looked for it, and she found it. And uh, we see in both of those parables, the, the one who loved the sheep, the shepherd, went out and found the lost sheep. Uh, the woman who lost that coin, she was very endeared to her. She went out and she found, she swept her house, and she found the coin. Now, I love how uh, I love how uh, Jesus is, is uh, speaking to this group of people. And really, because of these two brothers, you know why he's talking about two sons. Well, the, uh, the wayward son, the prodigal son, as we would say, that's for the ones that, in verse 1, then drew unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Verse number 2, who else was there? The Pharisees. That was what the older son was for. Uh, to remind them that, hey, you might be so quick to, to judge people and look and say, here's the commandments, I'm following them. But you are just like the wayward son. Your heart is just turned away from the father, just like the other son. It is, uh, to me, the, the placing these three parables so closely together, he's inviting uh, listeners to ask, well, who should have gone out and searched for the lost son? Uh, there's a true story of a young man who was a U.S. soldier. He was missing in action during the Vietnam War. When the family could not uh, get any word of him about his whereabouts uh, through any official channel, the older son flew uh, to Vietnam, risking his life, searched the jungles and the battlefields for his lost brother. It is said that despite the danger, he was never hurt because those on both sides had heard of his dedication and respected his request. Some of them simply re uh, referred to him as the brother. 
a very neat story there, but I believe this is what the elder brother in the parable should have done. You see, the, you say, why didn't the father go find him? Well, the father had everything right there for the, at the house for him, and, he's, and he, was, he was hurt that he, he had left. He's not going to, if the father came every single time and went wayward and dragged us back, that wouldn't be love. That wouldn't be love. And uh, he says, man, I, I got everything here for him, but the older brother should have gone out and looked for him. He should have, and he, and he, um, he should have. He should have said, my father, my younger brother has been a fool, and now his life is in ruins, but I will go look for him, and I'll bring him home. And if the inheritance is gone, and I expect that it will be, I'll bring him back into the family at my own expense. And indeed, that's the only way the elder brother would have been able to bring him back, would have been about his own expense. Because Jesus literally had said, the father divided his property between them. The younger son had already left and, and spoiled all that. Everything now had been assigned to the other brother. The younger brother had got his third portion, and uh, it, was, it was completely gone. Now when the father says to the older brother, my son, everything I have is yours, that was a true statement. He's telling the truth. Every penny that remained in the family estate, uh, every robe, every ring, every fatted calf was now the elder son's right. The younger brother's restoration was free to him, but it came at an enormous cost to the elder brother. The father could not just forgive the younger son. Somebody had to pay for it. The father could not reinstate him except at the expense of the elder brother. So what are you saying here? There was no other way. But Jesus does not put a true elder brother in the story. And I believe it's because we do have that older brother, and that's Jesus Christ, one who's willing to pay at any cost and to seek and to save that which is lost. It's very heartbreaking to, to read this account. The younger brother gets really a Pharisee for a brother, but instead, praise the Lord, we don't get a Pharisee. We get a loving brother, Jesus Christ. Uh, by putting the elder brother in this, story, uh, this type of brother in this story, Jesus is inviting us to imagine and to yearn and to long for that older brother. Praise the Lord, we do have him. Think of the kind of brother we need. We need one who does not just go to the next country to find us. We need someone who's going to come from heaven to earth to save us. We need one who's willing to not just pay a finite amount of money, but one that's going to pay the ultimate cost by shedding his blood on the cross of Calvary for us and bringing us into God's family. We had a debt that was so much greater than we could ever owe. We, we deserve rejection. We deserve alienation from, from God, the Father. We deserve isolation. Uh, the point of this parable is that forgiveness always involves a price somebody always has to pay. There was no way for the younger brother to return to the family unless the older brother uh, was to give him some of that back. And you understand that is the, uh, the, the, now the older brother's looking at this and says, well, rightfully still, uh, he's back. He still gets uh, part, so there's only two-thirds left, so now my brother still gets one-third of that. If I invite him back into the family, I was going to cost him a lot. And honestly, I think most of us would say, no way, no way I'm going to give him that. He doesn't deserve that. Uh, but we don't deserve uh, much better than that. We deserve, we deserve a place called hell. But here we see there was uh, one true elder brother. He paid our debt on the cross in our place. They, they stripped him naked of his robe and, and his dignity so that we could be clothed in his robe and in his dignity, and he can clothe in his righteousness. On the, uh, on the cross, Jesus was treated as an outcast so that we can be brought freely by grace into the family of God. There was no other way for the Heavenly Father to bring us except at the expense of a true elder brother, Jesus Christ. I don't really have a one, two, three to the message tonight, but I want to say this. Both sons were wayward. Both sons were wronged. They were both wronged. But both sons were welcomed home. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God. Not only of second, third, fourth chances, we serve a God of 
many chances. And I don't know where you are tonight, but uh, praise the Lord, there's three sons in this story. We've got the younger son who broke the father's heart. We've got the older son who was out of fellowship. And this third son who's the one who's speaking the parable himself, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is without sin. He went to a foreign country not to run away to hurt his father. He, ran, he went towards what his father wanted to do, to do the will of the father. He did not spend his life with righteous living, but he gave himself sacrificially. He was not a, a prodigal son. He was the prince of peace who shed his blood for the sins of the world. He was not a wayward son, but he was the only begotten son. As many as received him to give you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Salvation comes to those who simply just believe in his name. So I don't know which son you are tonight. And if you are uh, maybe wayward, I will say this, come home. Uh, the father wants you to come home. Maybe you are the second son. And you say, oh, man, I, I'm wayward inside, maybe not on the outside. So I'm serving God. I'm, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. And doing, but as soon as something comes up, I say, God, why, why are you doing this to me? Careful. That's exactly what that elder son was doing. Let's make sure that we're serving God, not out of duty, but out of delight. Let's make sure we're serving God out of love, not just because of what we can get out of it. And I will say this, his benefits are eternal. I'm thankful for the blessings and the benefits that God gives to us. But I, I don't know about you, but I don't want my kids just to obey me because I'm going to give them something. I want them to obey me because they love me. And uh, I, I'm learning that now as, uh, as uh, I really believe that most of the time, okay, unless we're going to the park, uh, most of the time, I believe Reagan, when she tells me she loves me, I believe she means it. And you know, it's, it's amazing. Ryan and Ryder, they say it too. I think they understand it. But it's amazing uh, when a little child says to you, I love you. And uh, how, how was the last time you told your Heavenly Father, I love you, in spite of what you've, you've given to me, well, uh, what you've entrusted me with, all the things I'm going through, I still love you. And I'm not loving you just because of what I can get out of it. I'm loving you just because of how good you are to me. I'm loving you because you are my Heavenly Father. Are you wayward? Are you wrong tonight? Well, I want to add, uh, just encourage you tonight that both of those sons were welcomed home. And uh, I hope that you're not thinking about anybody else but yourself. Think about where you're at in your life tonight. Maybe everything's going good right now, but maybe there's going to come a time in your life where you're going to say, man, I'm doing this out of duty. I'm not doing this out of delight. I'm not doing this out of love. And I've been there. I want to encourage you. Get back on track. Get your eyes on Jesus. Because if you're doing it for the applause of man, if you're doing it just because you want to look good, uh, you're, going to, you're, you're going to burn out. Uh, it's gonna, the, the rewards are not going to be uh, what you think they're going to be. They're going to be completely, it's going to be wearing you out. And you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Both sons were wayward. They were wrong, but they were both welcomed. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.